This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of achondroplasia from the pediatric section on orthobullets.com. Achondroplasia is the most common skeletal dysplasia, and as far as genetics, achondroplasia starts off as a sporadic mutation in over 80% of patients and is passed down in an autosomal dominant manner. The risk is increased with advanced paternal age. So for any Game of Thrones fans out there, Tyrion's achondroplasia may have been due to his father's advanced paternal age. Achondroplasia is caused by a G380 mutation of the FGFR3 or fibroblast growth factor receptor 3 on chromosome 4P, which causes a gain-of-function mutation that increases inhibition of chondrocyte proliferation in the proliferative zone of the physis and results in a defect in endochondral bone formation as well as a quantitative cartilage defect. Associated conditions for achondroplasia include certain medical conditions like weight control problems, hearing loss, tonsillar hypertrophy, and frequent otitis media. Spinal manifestations include lumbar stenosis in which patients are at risk due to short pedicles, thick facets, and thickened ligamentum flavum, and this is very likely to cause disability. Other spinal manifestations include thoracolumbar kyphosis and foramen magnum stenosis, which may cause periods of apnea or sudden death in infants. As far as the presentation of achondroplasia, patients have normal intelligence, delayed motor milestones, and symptoms of spinal stenosis such as pseudoclaudication and standing discomfort, as well as numbness and paresthesias, as well as subjective weakness. On physical exam, you will notice rhizomelic dwarfism, which is characterized by a humerus shorter than the forearm and a femur shorter than the tibia. You will also typically see a normal trunk, and adult height is approximately 50 inches. Facial features include frontal bossing. Extremities include trident hands, where the fingers are the same length with divergent ring and middle fingers. You may also see genuvarum, radial head subluxation, muscular hypotonia in infancy, and with respect to the spine, you will see thoracolumbar kyphosis and or excessive lordosis. On imaging, radiographs may show lumbar spine findings of shortened pedicles, decreased interpedicular distance from L1 to S1, which is pathognomonic. Other lumbar spine findings include vertebral wedging in thoracolumbar kyphosis and posterior vertebral scalloping. In the pelvis and extremities, Recommended views include AP of the pelvis and weight-bearing hip-to-ankle AP views, and findings include a champagne glass pelvis where the pelvis is wider than deep. Other findings include squared iliac wings and an inverted V in the distal femur physis. MRI is indicated to evaluate spinal stenosis, and it is also an adjunct to a sleep study for screening foramen magnum stenosis in infants. Treatment for spine conditions like thoracolumbar kyphosis in achondroplasia patients can be non-operative in the form of observation alone, where 90% of patients improve, or bracing if there is persistent vertebral wedging after the age of 3. However, this may be poorly tolerated. Operative options may include an anterior strut corpectomy with posterior fusion or an isolated posterior fusion. Indications for this are failed bracing and or kyphosis of greater than 45 to 60 degrees. Lumbar stenosis can be treated non-operatively with weight loss, physical therapy, and corticosteroid injections. This is typically the first line of treatment and frequently effective. 
Operative options for lumbar stenosis include multi-level laminectomy and fusion, which is indicated for spinal stenosis with severe symptoms when non-operative management has failed. Lumbar hyperlordosis can be treated non-operatively with observation, as treatment typically is not required. Foramen magnum stenosis is usually treated operatively with surgical decompression of the foramen magnum, and indications include sleep apnea or cord compression. Treatment for extremity conditions like genuvarum is operative via tibial plus or minus femur osteotomies based on center of rotation of angulation, and the indications are pain or fibular thrust, as well as progressive deformity. With respect to the short stature characteristic of achondroplasia, operative options include lower limb lengthening, which is very controversial, but it's technically feasible due to the soft tissue redundancy. Upper extremity lengthening may be indicated to maintain activities of daily living. That's all for this review about achondroplasia. Hopefully that was helpful. Look out for questions related to this topic on this weekend's question session, and hopefully this episode will have prepared you for that review. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on iTunes. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.